welcome to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. We speak to relatable people in business working their way through this crisis, just like you. Hosted by Luke Connod and Heather Gorringe, here to bring you practical ideas and advice to help you and your business survive and thrive. Thanks for listening in. Hope you'll enjoy this week's show brought to you on May the 4th, the day we learn about the bounce back loan. We've got two interviews lined up for you. One with Phil Gorringe, my husband and farmer in Herefordshire, and the other with Phil Robry, the accountant with Luke. Please note, Luke and I are just small business owners, just like you. We're not qualified to give advice. So I hope you'll find something interesting, informative, and hopefully a little bit of inspiration in this week's show. So, Phil, can you tell me a bit about yourself and your farm? So, uh, we farm a mostly arable and beef farm in West Herefordshire. It extends to about eight or 900 acres. We grow all combinable crops, so wheat, barley, vining peas, um, and grass seed, which is grown for turf and sports turf production. And then we have the cattle running alongside, so single suckler means that the calves are bred and reared on their mothers and then they're fattened and go for beef consumption and so they fit quite nicely into the farm system side by side with the arable. And you've got a few diversifications in terms of production of birdseed. Obviously from from that point of view we supply Wiggly Wigglers with birdseed composting products some of which we produce on the farm and we also clean and certify our own grass seed and so forth so that where we can we try to add value to products that we produce on the farm. And so employee wise? There's three of us full-time equivalents Um, we have one or two part-timers who come in and help here and there but essentially we're three full-time equivalents most of the time. And so obviously your key worker being a farmer I suppose um, how has this lockdown and coronavirus actually affected your enterprise? Well First of all, you'd have to say that living in, in a fairly remote part of the country in, in Herefordshire on a, on a farm, we're in the pound seats when it comes to lockdowns with virus, it would appear. Our business carries on pretty much as it would before. So we're very fortunate living on a farm in West Herefordshire that we are a long way from most urban areas. Uh, the risks are low and the act of farming is naturally self-isolating. So whether we're sitting on a tractor or wandering around in the cattle yard, um, it's, it's not a great hardship to us. And what about your supply chains? Well, we've had one or two issues that may or may not have been foreseen, but uh, in terms of supply chains, notably with mechanics and parts, of course, then we are coming into contact with people and different businesses have adopted different policies. So some of our suppliers have shut down full stop, end of story. Others are running a very restricted service and some are functioning perfectly normally, but with social distancing applied. But obviously there are some things that we do that where social distancing is quite difficult. For example, if you have to have a vet to come and deal with a cow, then you're not actually saying well you can only be at either end of the cow if you've got to do something carve it or whatever so from that point of view that's thrown up one or two issues i've seen the vets with ppe yep and and we you know we 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 use cleansing washing disinfectant ppe um and from that point of view we're quite used to that where vets are concerned we already have some sort of biohazard awareness 
mostly from you know historical experiences of foot and mouth and diseases like that so it's not completely new to us but of course it's a different disease and it affects us not the animals so that normally our biohazard thinking is protecting the animals but it's a new thing to protect us now one thing that i wanted to speak to you about was cash flow because a lot of small businesses are suffering from uh, the last few weeks of no income now for a farmer you're completely used to this in the sense that your cash flow is extreme isn't it well farming by its nature is seasonal and our cash flow works on an annual basis so that you collect up your cash having had your harvest and then spend it and perhaps a bit more than spend it during the year t- in order to get to the next harvest so but you'll from, have many months of virtually no income yes, and, and to some extent that helps helps us because we are used to that feeling one thing that coronavirus and lockdown has brought home is the number of businesses and this is really experiences with suppliers who are running much tighter than historically they ever would. So the idea of keeping something for a rainy day, they've not been able to do that. And if you take their business away, they are very, very quickly in a very deep hole, some of them. And and that has been an interesting experience. The other aspect of it is that uh, I don't think we in the farming industry had the slightest idea of how significant the food service industry was to us and our prices so that pretty much overnight the food service industry was shut down and the result of that has been that dairy and meat prices have effectively crashed. They've crashed even when there's no food on the supermarket shelves and people are struggling to get... It's absolutely ridiculous. There are cold stores which have reached capacity and some in terms of frozen meat and dairy produce that's frozen and cold purely because the food service industry has not been taking what it would have done. To give you an idea, the milk prices is a really good example. There's a huge variety of milk prices for a variety of reasons, but it is absolutely crashed purely, we suspect, but I'm pretty sure that we're right, because there are no coffee shops. The sheer quantity of milk, fresh milk, that coffee shops and cafes use seems to be far bigger than any of us thought and the price is a it's a real supply and demand um, example of what can go wrong and so going forward I'm sure that that is something that we in in our industry have got to think about and I suspect that when these businesses start up again the coffee shops the cafes and all those food service sector industries that they will be thinking hmm I wonder whether we ought to do it the way we used to do it or whether we actually ought to think in terms of adding some value somehow, giving ourselves a little bit of wriggle room if somebody turns around and pulls the rug from under us. And I suppose as a farmer, you're used to having the rug pulled from under you because of the weather. So, you know, in your own mind, what advice would you give to small businesses that are going through their first real crisis? Because as a farmer, I know... You've been through plenty of crisis. A farmer's mentality, and and I have to say that I am a glass half full individual, I'm an optimist. So this year is a very good example. Before coronavirus hit, we had one of the hardest, wettest, most horriblest winters you would ever like to wrestle with. And our crops are, for the most part, pretty poor as a result of that. Coronavirus doesn't affect our crops. 
Now a farmer's attitude, particularly an optimist, is I just want to get that year out of the way, get to the autumn, clear the decks and, and start again, have another go. And people sort of say to me, oh well, you're a moaning farmer and yeah I can do moaning farmer I, but True. it doesn't it doesn't actually he is my husband it doesn't actually change anything so that the feeling that it's a little bit like and, and this is a more extreme example but if you have a cow that for some reason has a dead calf and you look at her and you feel sorry for her because she's obviously sad that she's got a dead calf but you think right that's it that's gone wrong that's a complete disaster for her clear the decks back to the bull next year she will have a live calf and it will all be all right and if you can block that bit out that's the way I think that's how I do it you know I just think this year I'm not going to make any money it's not going to be a very good year my crops have been too badly affected over the winter clear the decks get it planted up next year will be better interesting and of course um, our listeners will be thinking well Phil there's one thing you have got experience of and that's a government handout well, we all do like a government handout, of course, but government handout, there's two things I would say about government handouts. The, the price of wheat is the price of wheat. So we don't get an extra price of wheat just because the government says so. We used to, but we don't now. So the effect of that is that any money we receive in government handout goes straight through our business to those suppliers who can price things according to how much we'll have to pay. And broadly speaking, those suppliers are landlords, i.e. rent, and possibly to some extent land value, chemical and fertiliser suppliers. Now they produce things which they, produ- they price according to how much we're willing to pay. And therefore that subsidy goes straight through our business to them. Whether you think that's a good thing or a bad thing is up to you. But the idea that I'm using the subsidy to pay for my Range Rover or whatever... <laughs> is is not the case because effectively the price of wheat is the price of wheat and i am duty bound if i want my farm to pay the rent and the level of rent is governed by what somebody else will bid against me fairly obviously so that's the first thing to say the second thing to say is that each year now that subsidy is being fairly significantly reduced and the effect of Brexit, which is of course a subject that we've all long since forgotten, what with Storm Dennis and COVID-19, Brexit has disappeared, hasn't it? But the effect of Brexit is that within the foreseeable future, five to ten years, we are looking at not having subsidy in any way like we have it now. It will be money for doing something, whether that be environmental or that sort of related thing but you won't get it just for being a farmer as you do now and so from that point of view we've got to work out how to bring our input prices in line with that new regime because the price of wheat will be the price of wheat. Looking forward and I know you're a glass half full chap so looking forward we've we've seen um, farm shops really benefit from um, looking after their local customers. I mean, in our own case, we've set up a volunteer group which has enabled uh, people that are self-isolating or vulnerable to get access to food from their farm shops and we've been the delivery service for it. And we've also seen many businesses come to be able to supply farm shops and there to be a real 
um, benefit to their businesses. So hand sanitizer, gin, um, cakes. <laughs> They've all found outlets in the farm shops because the farm shops are connecting with their customers. What are your thoughts on the opportunities for business going forward, whether they're retail or whether they're actual on-the-ground suppliers or processors? Well, I think for some years now, um, many of you will have heard farmers talking about shortening the supply chains and knowing about where your foods come from and how it was produced. But until now, there has been a resistance within the consumers to pay very much money for that. Coronavirus has brought you the situation where I'll pay anything. I, I need my food, whatever. I, it just cost is no object. And coupled with that, I think that on the whole, I speak for myself really, but we've found the ability of the supermarkets to deal with the current situation somewhat disappointing. It hasn't really worked very well. Well, in our area, we're 10 miles from any supermarket and there have been absolutely no slots until this last couple of weeks. And I was also thinking that uh, that's from a practical point of view, but it, from a, a, a virus point of view, it, it is fairly well acknowledged that the weak point of the whole system that we've experienced for the last four or five weeks is the necessity to go to a supermarket yeah. and get food, particularly if they won't deliver it. And so from that point of view, you've seen uh, corner shops, farm shops, smaller enterprises, really flourishing particularly if they got themselves organized early on and said righto we're going to set this job up so that we can obey social distancing but we can supply food and certainly in our area we've seen a number of businesses small businesses really flourish whether they're shops or catering businesses some people have repurposed what they're doing pubs they, online online so that you've you've seen people show resilience and adaptability and a little bit of flair for, you know, how can I work with this situation in a safe and responsible manner? It's much easier for a small business to do that than a supermarket. Looking forward, do you see the fact that you're a British farmer um, as an advantage to supply? You know, what, what are your thoughts on well, I think moving forward? We've, we've had a, an opportunity here because the situation we find ourselves in has given our customers a big wake-up call and therefore we need to press that home and make sure that we maintain the gains that we've had over the last four or five weeks we encourage local sourcing and purchase make sure that people get value for money and therefore build on on this opportunity to enhance something that we've been saying for for a number of years now and you know inviting our customers onto the farm and listening to what they've got to say so if we do something that they don't like or they want us to do something that we don't do then to actually seriously consider getting on and doing it in a way that they want to and i believe that this is this coronavirus epidemic has proved that they will pay when they have to thanks phil and thank you to mavro the Sharpe and marjorie the cairn terrier for interrupting our podcast with a little gut dog battle So my name's Philip Roberry and I'm an accountant with Thompson & Co. And we're based in Hereford. Perfect. Right, well, what a glorious sunny day this is. We're stood 
outside your house, two metres apart, with the microphone on the bonnet of your wife's car. Yes. The dog is relaxing in the sun. What, what's the dog's name? Joey, that's Joey. He's uh, six years old now. Oh, excellent. What sort is he? He's a Cavalier King Charles Spaniel. Very nice. And what's this view we're looking at? This stunning view from your Philip drive. Flats, yes, really yeah? nice. We're, we're quite fortunate over here to have... Um, you know, we, we took a walk down there earlier with our family, with our, with our government-mandated um, walk. walk. Yeah, yeah. down to the, um, the River Lug. It was beautiful. Excellent. Right, anyway, we're not here to talk about our surroundings. We're, here, we're very fortunate to be with uh, Phil today. Uh, he is one of Herefordshire's top accountants, and he's going to fill us in on all the bits and pieces you need to know, the nitty-gritty around COVID-19 and how you can do the best to look after your colleagues, your business, and your customers. Shall we get straight on to the questions then, Phil? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so the first question, what's available for business in the way of finance? We've had a number of measures that have been announced by Rishi, the um, Chancellor, over the last couple of months. A lot of these people already know about because, as I said, it's, it's, it's been some time now. It doesn't feel like that long, but um, yeah, we're kind of six, seven weeks into this now, I guess. Every week seems like a month, as far yeah, as I can see. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so one of the early ones was a rates grant, so um, make sure you've applied for that if you haven't already. So the rates grant, yep. where would you apply for that? Who would you go so to? So with your local to? council. They okay. should have, con- the, the way it was announced originally was the local council would contact you um, as it turns out, uh, a lot of the time we're encouraging people, to, if they haven't had it already, to go directly to your local council. If you're in Hereford, I've got contacts. Feel free to, to get in touch with Luke and myself, um, and I'll share those with you. Um, but if you're elsewhere in the nation, get in touch with your local business rates team. They'll be able to help. And certainly from experience, I've found that Herefordshire Council have been really proactive. Yeah, they have. Um, yeah, I mean, in, in the thing on the 20th, I published some statistics that they'd issued about 53% of the um, funds they'd received. So while they have been very proactive, there's still money out there. There's still 47% to it, go it, at. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, yeah, and, and, I, and I, I'll come on to this later on, but there's, there's a lot of people that ask me every day, you, you know, Fred, I, I was going to say Fred down the pub, but it's not down the pub these days. It's not down, anymore. Down, down the Unless field, two metres of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Back to. <laughs> Fred down the field, two metres apart, has been saying, I've got my grant, have you got yours? Um, and if the answer is no, chase it. Yeah, talk to them. That's really good advice. Excellent. So um, so there's also um, the furlough payments. Um, so the Coronavirus Job Retention Scheme. They love their abbreviations, HMRC right now. So CJRS, that will be, wouldn't it? Um, no, yeah, that is right. Um, yeah, so hopefully your accountant or your payroll provider has been uh, arranging that for you now. Um, and the payments, again, in fairness to HMRC, great system it's worked really well yeah i from a personal experience again we uh, our accountant put ours in uh, and within four working days the money was in the bank brilliant yeah, yeah. i mean you can't ask for much more than that you know they, yeah. they, they've taken a lot of criticism but but you know they've got these systems working they've got them working well and quickly i would agree there's also um this is one that was announced right at the beginning that was very important near the beginning but seems to have fallen off the wayside and that's of course the ssp um uh, you can reclaim two SSP? weeks of yeah, the statutory sick pay. Statutory so HMRC will yeah. refund two weeks of statutory sick pay if it's related to CV19. Um, that one seems to be falling off the wayside because it's not yet still been announced how you reclaim that back, but just to bear that in mind. Yep. Um, uh, and then we're going to move on to um, the self-employed income scheme. Again, S-I-E-S-S is they the abbreviation. They do like an abbreviation. They do love them, they? yeah. <laughs> um, that one, um, we just heard some more information about yesterday, but that's still targeted for mid-May um, with payment early June for the self-employed. And of course, the big news right now are the loans that, you know, the, we've got the C-Bill, the Coronavirus Business Interruption Loan, um, that was the one that was originally announced up to £5 million. But the one that's got everyone excited right now is the Bounce Back Loan. 
up to £50,000 um, confirmed now based on 25% or capped at rather 25% of your turnover. They're supposed to be released um, on Monday. Uh, so this this coming Monday, which is the 4th, I believe, 4th is, of May. Yes. Yeah, yep. 4th of May. Um, of course, it's not the not the government's doing if they're not released. It's it's the banks are waiting on the banks. From what I've heard, Barclays uh, are kind of further ahead, but that's not to say that all the banks won't be ready. So okay, we'll and wait and see. How will that work? So say if I'm a small business, I started my business last March. I'm just about doing my year-end accounts, and so I've been trading for just over a year because I, I will will I be able to apply for that yeah you certainly will um so so I we, we've got some great contacts I've been chatting to a broker um a contact of ours and and he's got links with all the banks the way it's imagined to work is uh, first apply with your financial statements if you don't have financial statements or they're old and perhaps even let's say you filed a March 2019 financial statements and then you've had a much better 2020 mm-hmm. um you'll be able to provide some management information okay, okay right. and upload that instead. Yeah. They might come under a bit more scrutiny, but of course we're talking about 100% government-backed loan. Um, and certainly, in fact, literally about an hour ago as I was kind of preparing some notes ready for uh, this podcast, um, I actually had on, on one of my kind of accountancy channels um, some, some a letter that the Chancellor's written to the banks and in that letter, it, 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 it strongly implies, I haven't read it in full detail yet, but strongly implies that loans under 25,000 actually won't need to come under any scrutiny at all. Wow. So apply, get your money as quickly as possible. And, and also the other interesting thing is interest rate capped at 2.5% for those loans. The so, under 25 or the... For all of them, For apparently. all of them. Wow. So you're, you're saying that the, the these ones that come out on Monday, they're, they're capping the interest rate at 2.5%? Yeah, that's it. That's wow. so, so this is this is in a letter written by the Chancellor to the banks. Um, I'll send it out on my um, kind of email, um, kind of broadcast to everyone later, so um, it can be published um, yeah. Um, online. But yeah, that's what yeah. it says. All right, 2.5%. so if you need to find that letter, go on to Hereford Rotary COVID-19 Volunteers. Phil very kindly is putting all his accountancy information on there for everyone to see. So now I think the most important thing, you're, it's end of year, it's COVID-19 and you're an accountant. Yeah, it's busy time. A busy time. And my wife's a nurse as well. So. And, <laughs> and a fantastic job. I don't think anyone can deny what a fantastic job uh, these ladies and gentlemen are doing Absolutely. at looking after us at the moment. Um, and you've got two young kids. Yes, I do. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's, it's a busy time, uh, but you're providing, still providing support for your clients. And I can imagine they'll be on the phone, on the email, on the text, on the WhatsApp. What are the top questions they're asking you at the moment? So um, I've gone through some top five questions that people are asking right now. Um, and yeah, you know, I, I'm spending most of my working day replying to emails, replying to phone calls. But that's what we're here to do. That's our job. That's our role. So the, definitely the top five questions, certainly in the past week, has been how do I apply for the business bounce back loan? Um, o- overwhelmingly so. People were kind of crying out for some extra support, and that's what the Chancellor announced, I think, Monday or Tuesday last week. The, the feedback we've got so far is it's going to be via online banking. So from Monday, um, which is when they're released, when you go on your online banking, in theory, there should be a button. And I'm, I'm sorry to sound vague about that, but that's all the information we have right now. I know already that some of my clients are have been proactive and made telephone meetings with the bank on Monday. Um, so they got already gathering their information right now, gathering their, their current turnover figure, gathering their management information, ready to talk to them on Monday and get that loan as quickly as possible. Very but yeah, it, it should be. The government has made it very clear that the C-bills were a little bit of a fiasco um, in terms of um, how many people actually 
got through in the first instance yeah. and then how, how many people actually got accepted and got money in their bank account so this is this is their attempt to rectify that situation and i think by backing them a hundred percent absolutely the banks have nothing to lose do yeah, they absolutely. um so to be perfectly blunt if every business in the country fails that's had one of these loans the banks still get their money. hundred percent, yeah. yeah. And, and, and um, the crazy feedback I was getting from these brokers who have contacts in the banks is that their problem with the C-bills was they just weren't willing to risk that 20%. Yeah. You know, 80% of a loan, they're not willing to take that chance just to help businesses keep going, help the economy keep going on that 20%. But they've got no excuse now. No, and banks are a whole other issue. We could do a series of podcasts on <laughs> yeah, those. Absolutely. Perhaps at a later date, we'll come back to um, yeah. yeah, the banking sector. So the next one was how do I calculate uh, my furlough claim? Um, and again, we could probably do an, an entire podcast on that. Um, the, gu- the guidance the guidance was, was, was good, but the, the calculations are complicated. Um, the only thing I'll say on this podcast is, is if you need some support, talk to your accountant. Um, if your accountant or your payable provider isn't willing to help, then, then come and talk to us and we can help. But but it, it, it is something that we've had a, a, quite a number of um, people come to us and say that their payroll person can't handle this, so can you help? And, and that's what we're here to do. Any accountant with us will help you with that. Brilliant. And number three? Um, so I, I touched on this earlier, actually, um, but um, we still get an awful lot of questions, even though the, the scheme's been out for, for, for five or six weeks now, um, of X said that they've got their rates grants and how do I get mine? Um, I haven't had anything yet. I haven't heard anything from, from the council yet. Uh, and again, it had caused some confusion because HMRC said that they would contact, or sorry, the councils were supposed to contact everyone. Um, but, but but there are, you know, it's nothing's perfect. So if you have a business, if you pay rates, or rather, more appropriately, if you don't pay rates, if you're a small business rates relief um, person or, or, or a rural relief business, and you haven't received anything from the council, please just contact them. Contact your local council, chase them up. If you also, another tip, if um, if your rateable value is above 15,000 but below 51,000 um, and you haven't heard from them but you feel that your business should qualify for the retail, hospitality or leisure categories, talk to them. Talk to the council, say um, that you've... It, we've had so many cases of... Um, properties historically being classed as say warehouses or factories they've had a change in use over time perhaps they've um you know opened a bar or 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 started selling from there in a more retail capacity the council's information isn't updated but in fairness especially in hereford where, where obviously we're based um when people have communicated that to the council then they've they've fixed it and made the payments very quickly so talk to the council that's really reassuring and the the business rates they only really revalue once every five years don't they so it's a very good chance the information is outdated Uh, absolutely yeah yeah. and and also this has been mixed success but but also businesses who are slightly outside of the um the valuation ranges so um you know i've heard of businesses with um 51,200 as their rateable value just outside that 51,000 mark and challenging that and 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 having some success not in all cases but if it's worth an ask yeah. so all they can do is say no yeah so you're saying if, if you're just over those the threshold of 51k yeah ask the question because what have you got to lose yeah if they yeah. can if they can revalue your rating um yeah. to to below that then it's worth 25,000 pounds to you so so please do so you really have got nothing to lose and 25,000 pounds to gain yeah exactly yeah. exactly just, so, a, just a little bit of time out your day and and that's well worth doing i yeah. would say in the current climate so we're on number four aren't we yep so number yep. four was we're kind of getting back towards the self-employed people um, the traders who are asking when they're going to receive my um, self-employed support the SEISS 
We actually had um, uh, legislation released yesterday, so this is very kind of hot off the press, um, which, but, but all that legislation detailed was how it's going to work. So we know now how they're going to calculate it. It's still based on this, um, you know, these rules of up to 80% of those average profits capped at two and a half thousand pounds. And it's supposed to be for three months. So uh, at the most you'll, you're looking to get is about seven and a half thousand pounds. And there's all kinds of other rules that I won't go into now, but they're still aiming for mid-June to contact people, sorry, mid-May to contact people, apologies, um, with payments early June. And that's the government that are doing that, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, that's so the government HMRC, that are doing that. So, to be fair with what HMRC have done so far, they've always hit the mark, haven't they? Yeah, they the have, yeah. And, and yeah. to be honest, it wouldn't surprise you if that was brought earlier as well. Um, and of course, if you are self-employed, okay, a lot of people can't do this because of the nature of what they do, but there were no restrictions on you continuing trading. So if you so if you're self-employed and you're a plumber, um, you can still do those calls, albeit properly socially distanced, and you'll still get your grant. So um, yeah, it, you 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 could keep working, and um, hopefully you're still going to get some support as well. That's good. That's really good news. And I, for, for that, for a self-employed person, so say I was a plumber, I carried on working because it's a fairly essential job. I was doing it properly and socially distanced. Would I put in the money I don't this year and the money I don't last year, and they pay me the difference, or how so? Would it, so, it work? so it's it's um, it's based on um, three years tax returns, but right. but the latest one is 2018-19. Okay, okay. So, so, that's so they're last not yep. Yeah, so they're not looking. They still haven't discussed whether they're looking at 2019-20. Um, it isn't in the legislation that's come out, so they're still backdating it so what that means is that there are going to be a certain number of people that are missed right you know okay. if, if, you, if you if you if you left employment um, at the end of 1819 and then yeah. went into self-employment and your first tax return is the one that we're filing about yeah. now yeah. anytime between now and the end of january currently you're missed out and there are a lot of people in your position so we're, we're gonna have to wait and see how that develops okay that makes sense so number five so number five, um, so we, we're still getting, and actually there's been a bit of a resurgence in the, in the last few days of um, questions from uh, company directors, directors of small companies who typically, by and large, pay themselves a lower salary and then dividends. So they were kind of left out of support so far because, of course, these furlough payments, they're, they're not enough to live on. You know, the, the majority of their remuneration is in dividends, which are classed as investment income and so didn't come under the furloughment scheme. Right. Um, that was um, very quiet. We haven't heard anything in that regard recently, except for literally in the last day or two, again, slightly hot off the press, um, some petitions that have gone out there and some more information that say that the Chancellor is looking at this with a closer um, view to, to, to getting some support to those people that are captured. And there are thousands of us around the country that are, um, that are affected. Yeah. Oh, that's... that's uh, well, all those are really positive, actually. Yeah. yeah. I, you know, I mean, as I said, there's a there's a lot of criticism there's a lot of they, the government for a variety of reasons have taken a lot of grief for, for for the support they've given personally i think they've done a good job yeah i would agree with you from a uh, from a business point of view i would say they have done a, a very good job on everything they've put in it, place it's not perfect but no. it's still a good job yeah one uh, a couple of other questions uh, and then we'll finish off do i need to contact hmrc if i'm not going to be able to pay my vat my national insurance my tax it depends, actually. Um, funny enough, so HMRC in their in their um, in their support for for CV19 um, affected people, they've allowed. So the current VAT pay, um, 
payments that are due between, I think it was off the top of my head, it was the end of March and the end of June. Any payments that fall between those dates are automatically deferred. Right. So the answer to your question for VAT right at the moment is that you don't have to contact okay. HMRC. They're automatically deferred until um, the 31st of March 2021. And in fact, in the guidance, it said that if you have a direct debit, make sure you cancel it. So, right. so, okay. so make sure you do well, that. So, yeah, so, so for example, myself, um, you know, you know, in a lot of businesses where you've got a March quarter, those payments are going to be going out about now. Um, you don't need to make them. Okay. The same, same, <clears throat> same situations for self-employed people or, or even directors of limited companies or, or even anyone that's got income over a certain threshold where you have to make payments on account. Um, and the payment on account that is due in July, by 31st July, is deferred until 31st of uh, January. Okay. Um, again, with those two, just be bear in mind that they're deferred, they're not cancelled. Um, but in fairness, they're deferred with no penalties, no interest, so that's good. For all other taxes, all your corporate taxes, or your PAYE and national insurance, um, if you've got any capital gains you need to pay, HMRC have a, 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 a telephone line. It's 0800 0159 559. Tell them that you've been affected by, by CV19 and um, they'll give you time to pay. Wonderful. Well, that's great advice. So one final question. Uh, have you had any clients that have been successful with Sybils? So what I mean is they've put an application in, they've got it agreed, and they're now sitting with the money in their bank. Yes, the answer is yes. Um, and, and I don't mind saying that I'm one of them. So uh, we, you know, I, I, I was very fortunate in, it, in again, um, having some great contacts with some brokers. Um, and so I... I made the contact with Barclays very early on and ended up waiting about two and a half weeks before I even got so much as a, a message to say, um, we're going to look at your application. Um, I had a conversation with um, with a broker who was able to um, find some information out from, from, from one of the staff that are dealing with these that I was already pre-approved. So I don't think people understand that there are a certain, uh, certain businesses that are already pre-approved for certain loans. Yeah. And so it's worth trying, talk to your accountant, talk to us, see if there's someone that can get you kind of in the back door, so to speak, to see if you are one of those people, because it hugely shortcuts the process. So. I ended up making a very short application and um, I had my money in about a week and a half, I would say. Um, so I, I'm one of the very few very lucky ones, but there are um, clients of mine that are in a similar situation who have had their money and we've, I've also got a few that are going through probably in the next few days. So you can get it. You, you know, it, it's a good idea to try and talk to someone who can kind of shortcut the system. This was with Barclays, by the way. So. Um, you know, they're my bank and, and not to kind of go on promoting, um, you know, on, on the spirit of this podcast. But in fairness, they've done very well. Yeah, I think right. so. Thank you so much, Phil. Thank you for your time today. Thank you for the dog's time. He stayed well, with us for the whole time. He hasn't gone in the man's van or anything. No. <laughs> so, and thank you again to your wife for all she's doing for yeah, us. Yeah, thank you, I know she's you, working Luke. very yeah. hard. Thanks for having me. Pleasure. Thanks for listening, and as they say, on May the 4th, may the 4th be with you. Thanks for listening to the Business versus COVID-19 podcast. If you like this episode, please leave us a review or send us a question. Connect with Heather and Luke on LinkedIn, Facebook and Instagram.